five. I was a virgin, and the only thing that I drank were daiquiris. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. <laughs> You have found the Crowley Show live from the Terrace on 5th atop Buford's Kitchen right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. It is the show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-919-1316 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting right next to me. Going to be giving away tickets to a couple upcoming Penguins games. So come on by. Say hello to us at Buford's Kitchen. Shirtless Tom back in the Fox Bet Studios. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler and tell your kids. Tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. Mike Tomlin was a little odd today in his press conference. He started the thing off by saying, "We are going to ex- accept the responsibility for what happened at the end of the game against Cleveland." And what he means by that is the NFL is going to fine him. The NFL suspended Marquise Pouncey. Fines all abound, right? So we're going to accept our role in what happened there. Mike Tomlin, at the end of the press conference, was asked if his team can learn anything from the end of the Cleveland game, and he said, quote, I don't know that we did anything to make it happen anyway in the first place, and that's why I said we didn't have anything to learn from it, end quote. So mixed message there. I like what he said at the end of the press conference a hell of a lot more than what he said at the beginning of the press conference. Mike Tomlin should not say we accept the punishment. Mike Tomlin should not say we accept our role in that because me, the crowd man, I watched that tape like 40,000 times, no exaggeration, this weekend, and I don't see anywhere where the Steelers are at fault. Even when Marquise Pouncey is going all Chris Boswell on Miles Garrett's head, I don't think that that is something he needs to take responsibility for. If you smack my buddy over the head, if you smack Brian over the head with a brick, I am going to kick the snot out of you to the best of my ability. Now, you'll probably walk away fine. You'll probably kick my ass. But I'm going to try to kick your ass if you smack Brian over the head with a brick. So Marquise Pouncey, to me, did nothing wrong. And Marquise Pouncey, in 28 minutes is going to start his appeals process. So we should have some information by the end of the show on that. But in 28 minutes, Marquise Pouncey is going to have to sit there and explain why he did what he did. I don't think Marquise Pouncey even has to do that. Because when the NFL comes out and they say, Miles Garrett, you get a full-season suspension, you get a postseason suspension, you get an indefinite suspension that could possibly go into next year, When something that egregious happens where that kind of suspension is going to be doled out, I think there needs to be some understanding from Marquise Pouncey. When you say, whoa, this was so bad, we got to say this mother trucker can't be here the rest of the year. Well, then, what Marquise Pouncey did was in response to an extreme, right? You've got Batman running all across town. The Joker's like, we got this extreme dude on one side. i got to be the extreme dude on the other side. That's what's going on with Marquise Pouncey here. Marquise Pouncey's like, man, when you smack my dude with his helmet, I'm going to kick you in the face. And upon further review, in the 40,000 times that I watched that stupid brawl at the end of the game over and over and over this weekend, I've actually determined that Marquise Pouncey, when kicking, never made contact with Miles Garrett. 
It didn't happen. He kicked his own teammate. He whiffed the first time. The second time, I believe he kicks David DeCastro in the ankle. He never actually kicked Miles Garrett in the head. If he did, I got no problems with it. But he didn't. He kind of went Chris Boswell circa the Oakland game last year where he falls down, doesn't make contact with the football. That's what happened there. Marquise Pouncey's like, I'm going to curb stomp this dude, but he missed. I think Mike Tomlin was wrong at the beginning of his press conference when he said we need to accept the responsibility here. Easy for me to say now, the second time. At the end of his press conference, though, whenever he said we didn't do anything to make it happen anyway in the first place, that is what resonates with me if I'm a Steelers fan, and that's what resonates with me, the crown man, who is a neutral observer-ish. Hey, if Freddie Kitchens wanted to imply that Miles Garrett was provoked, which he did, I got no problem with Mike Tomlin fighting fire with fire at the end of the press conference. I just wish Mike Tomlin would have come out at the beginning of the press conference and said, yeah, we don't accept our responsibility here. Uh, my dude got hit in the face with a helmet. And when my dude got hit in the face with a helmet, all hell's going to break loose, and I'm cool with it. That's what Mike Tomlin should have said from the outset. He shouldn't have had the pre-written statement. He shouldn't have tried to go all businessman from the start. We saw him devolve into pure emotion at the end of the press conference. I wish we had seen that pure emotion at the beginning of the press conference. There are a number of people out there still saying Mason Rudolph deserves blame. Paul Steigerwald, John Steigerwald, one of the Steigerwalds, the one with the ugly-ass beard who blocked me on Twitter, he says Mason Rudolph deserves a suspension. It's just so dumb. It's just so dumb that anybody can look at that and think, oh, my God, Mason Rudolph, he started this. That guy deserves a suspension. Even if you believed that Mason Rudolph started this, think about it this way. If Mason Rudolph is jostling with Miles Garrett on the ground and he tries to take off Miles Garrett's helmet, and then a referee comes in and breaks him up before Miles Garrett swings Mason's own helmet at him, does anybody get suspended? Would Mason Rudolph have gotten suspended? No. So the reason why people are thinking Mason Rudolph should be suspended is because Miles Garrett swung the helmet. There's not a suspendable act there. There's just not. If it had played out different, you're thinking no. So Mason Rudolph's now getting in trouble for getting clubbed with his own helmet? Mason Rudolph, at absolute worst, at worst deserved a flag mason rudolph at absolute worst deserved a fine now i don't actually think he deserved a flag i don't actually think he deserved a fine but if you want to push it and you want to make everyone culpable for what went down a flag a fine i guess i could live with that but a suspension are we dumb are we this is not a rhetorical question are we dumb people anybody who thinks mason rudolph deserves a suspension are we dumb are you stupid uh, do you breathe at night? Uh, I mean, uh, do you stop the Q-tip when there's resistance? How dumb are you? Mason Rudolph was defending himself when that big fat guy's laying on him. He doesn't deserve anything. And when Miles Garrett has his hearing tomorrow, which he is, I hope the league sees right through anything he's going to throw out there. I hope the league, as objective reviewers of the tape, like 40,000 times like me, see... Okay, you got two guys wrestling on the ground after Miles Garrett took him down late, after Miles Garrett refused to get off of him. Miles, you deserve to be suspended. And you know where I sit, Snowflakes. Miles Garrett doesn't only deserve to be suspended for this year. If they, by some grace of God or the devil, make the playoffs, he doesn't just deserve to be suspended for that. 
He should be suspended until week 10 next year, a full calendar year. He used a weapon. We flag guys 15 yards. We toss guys out of the game like Demarius Randall when they use their helmets on the field of play. We say this cannot stand because of concussions. Now, it's because the NFL says, eh, we don't want to get sued again, but when a helmet is used in the field of play, it is suspension-worthy, it is finable, it is flaggable, dudes get tossed left and right. When you take one off and hit a guy with it who's then not wearing the helmet, that deserves serious repercussions, so something like that does not go down again. Enough on that for now. As I mentioned, Marquise Pouncey in about 22 minutes going to be sitting down in front of the appeals situation. So I got you breaking news over the course of the show. But enough on that for right now. You got to hope to God, Steelers fans, to God, G-A-W-D, that Ben comes back healthy next year. Think about this. The Ravens, they got their franchise quarterback. He's 13-3 and as a starter. 13-3 as a starter. He's the leading MVP candidate in the league. He's going to lead his team to back-to-back division championships. They were dead in the water last year. They were 4-5. and five. That guy takes him to the playoffs. This year, the best team right now, no question, in the AFC. He's 22 years old. Mother bleeper, this dude's going to be here for a decade. In the Browns, they might have their guy in Baker Mayfield. No rookie has ever thrown more touchdowns in a year than that guy did. You get rid of Kitchens. And he and the Browns, they'll be looking up. They'll be better for it. The Bengals, they suck. Like, they really, 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 really suck. But that's great for them because they've got Tua in their sights. Or they could have Joe Burrow or the best player in the draft, Chase Young. They'll take a quarterback. But here's the point. By the time May rolls around, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Bengals could all have their franchise quarterbacks. And the Steelers, this just in, don't have one in Mason Rudolph. I think he's got a shot, if everything winds up working out perfectly, to be Andy Dalton. I think he's probably just a pretty decent backup. The Steelers need to take advantage of the next two years with Ben. Part of that means praying that Ben is healthy enough to play as well as he has in the past. Hell, you should probably start by praying for Ben to come back, and then when Ben does come back, pray for him to be as good as he has been. But with this defense and that Ben, this team can contend in the North. This team can contend for the Super Bowl. That's a big if, though. If he comes back and he's not healthy, then the Steelers need to find their quarterback of the future. Best case scenario, then, at that point, is that they're just a few years behind the other teams in the division. Worst case scenario is that they're trying to figure it out for a while while the other three teams in the division already know what's up. Get Ben back, hope he's healthy, win the division, and contend for the Super Bowl next year. Because if you don't, how long is it going to be? If you don't, is it Cordell? <laughs> is it Tommy Maddox all over again? Are you caught up in this quicksand that every other team in the National Football League has been caught up in, trying to find that quarterback in the future? Look at the Bills. Look at the Bears. Look at the Dolphins. All teams that have had really good quarterbacks in the past have not been able to find a franchise quarterback since they've had that last guy. Since the Dolphins had Marino, they've had like 40 quarterbacks. Since the Bears have had McMahon, they've had like a million different quarterbacks. They're going to Super Bowls with dudes like Rex Grossman and Kyle Orton. The Steelers could find themselves in that category. Because between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger, my dear Christ, there was a whole lot of Neil O'Donnell. There's a whole lot of 
Bobby Brister. There's a whole lot of Byron Leftwich. Is that what you want, people? Is that what you need? No, of course not. You need the opposite, but the opposite might not come. So what you have to hope for, Steelers fans, is while the rest of the division gets their shiz together and gets their guy at quarterback, that the Steelers still have one more run in them with their Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, this year is not going to count. If they make the playoffs, there should be a parade. I still think they've got a chance. It's not as good of a chance as I thought before that Browns game because the offense, let's face it, sucks ass. But making the playoffs is different than being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Think about the Bills from a couple years ago. They're 9-7. and seven. They're all excited. We haven't been in the playoffs in like 15, 20 years. This is tremendous. They lose. They score like seven points. It's one thing to make the playoffs, but the Steelers franchise doesn't hang their hat on making the playoffs. The Steelers franchise, the Steelers fan base, the Steelers organization, they hang their hat on contending for championships, playing in championships, and winning some damn championships. And it's going to be really hard in the AFC North now going on a decade because Baker Mayfield with the right coaching can be very good. Lamar Jackson's getting the right coaching. He is very good. And I don't think Zach Taylor's very good at all. Look at the box score from last week. They ran for like 180 yards, but he stopped giving the running back the football. But if they draft Joe Burrows, all of a sudden things are different. If they draft Tua Tagovailoa, all of a sudden things are different. The Steelers desperately need Ben Roethlisberger to come back next year, and they desperately need Ben Roethlisberger to come back healthy next year. Mark Madden has compared Miles Garrett to James Harrison. I don't think that's fair. James Harrison, not a great dude. James Harrison has committed atrocities on and off the football field. I understand that. James Harrison, I don't think he's a good person. Let me get that right out there. But in terms of being a cheap shot artist, it's one thing to do it between the white lines, and it's another thing to do it whenever the whistle's over and you're swinging a dude's helmet. Those are not equatable to me. Vontez Burvin, as trash of a player as he is, as trash of a human being as he is, never, ever stooped to the level of that guy. Eh, maybe that's not true. He's stepping on crotches and stuff. But he's hitting guys between the white lines during the play. Some guys aren't looking. That sucks. But that's kind of football. Football kind of sucks if we really think about it. When you take a dude's helmet off and hit him with it, it's a totally different transgression than what James Harrison did to Muhammad Massaquoi back in 2010. It's totally different than what James Harrison did to Josh Cribbs back in 2010. You headhunt, that sucks. It's awful. I don't think there's a place in the game for it. But headhunting and taking off someone's head and then using their head to bash in the rest of their body, yeah, that's a different transgression altogether. It sounds good. It gets clicks. Those two ain't the same. The NFL is chicken bleep, but actually, they made a right move here stemming from the Seatown throwdown. I'll tell you what that is next. It's the Crowley Show live from Buford's Kitchen, the Terrace on 5th, right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. Brought to you by Foxbet. Make the call, download the app today. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. It's the Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Join ESPN and Bud Light at Dino's Sports Bar in Greensburg on Wednesday, November 27th from 7 to 9 p.m. In re- average to good that, man, he's yeah. just a complete hockey player, but who's he remind you of? Uh, Harry Potter, I would say, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Get, get, get. 
Dave tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, if Mason isn't the guy, does that mean we have to draft somebody next year that could be? Well, the Steelers don't have a first-round pick. But just knowing the inner workings of the organization, they weren't going to pick a quarterback next year in the draft anyhow. They were going to try to maximize the window for Ben Roethlisberger. And while it's risky, because you don't know if Ben's going to come back, first of all, or if he's going to be the same guy when he does come back, but it's a risk worth taking. I think if the Steelers had a first-round pick next year, you get a wide receiver. You get somebody to help Ben out. Maybe you get that feature running back because you need to try to maximize that window with that guy. And even if it doesn't work out, even if Ben Roethlisberger is a shadow of himself, it's worth it because who's that next quarterback going to be when he walks through the door? Now, Mason Rudolph can still get better, and he still will get better. He had a good game, I thought, against the Rams. Now, the offense didn't play well. They didn't catch the football. They fumbled the thing a couple of times, but I thought he played well. He took a huge step back last week against Cleveland. But he's basically throwing to me, Brian, and Tom out there. Maybe this week he has a great game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe he plays lights out against the Browns next week. It's possible for him to get better. But it's all a moot point now, right? Because even if... Mason Rudolph has a stellar finish of this season. Even if Mason Rudolph leads the Steelers to the playoffs and is playing good quarterback in order to get them there, he hasn't been good enough to say, oh, Ben, maybe you should just retire. He hasn't been good enough to say, Ben, maybe rest that elbow, maybe come back week six. No, he hasn't been that good. So the Steelers, they're going to move forward, thinking that Ben's their franchise quarterback for two years, and I'm totally fine with it. And I still like to make a trade. Because guys on defense, they help that quarterback win, too. And Ben Roethlisberger is an elixir to that offense where even if they don't have great playmakers, even if it was the exact same offense that it is right now with Ben Roethlisberger next year, you expect them to be better because, well, Ben is better. Period. It's a shot. It's a risk. It's a risk worth taking absolutely. At least the Steelers are relevant. I, I was thinking about this. Yesterday, as the Pirates were announcing their new general manager and they've got their new CEO, team president, whatever the hell you want to call them, being a Pirates fan sucks. They are irrelevant from July through April. There's typically fool's gold at the beginning of the season. We all buy in for a little bit, then bam, the hammer drops. This year was like that. Josh Bell was clubbing Homer at the Homa, at the Homa, at the Homa. Then all of a sudden he wasn't. The team was hot. Then all of a sudden it was ice cold. It hurt my soul as a sports fan. Because the summertime, when your baseball team is good, is the freaking best. I used to sit on my back porch and look through the window at the TV while pounding beers and smoking cigs. It was the best. But we haven't had that in a while with the Pittsburgh Pirates. November and January, when your football team's in the hunt, that's close to being just as good. You got jingle bells. You got mistletoe hanging from the ceiling. You're smelling turkey, right? People got their candles lit. You know what it smells like around Christmas time. You know what it smells like around holiday time. Doesn't quite smell as good, though, when your football team ain't alive. But guess what? The Steelers are still alive, baby. And they're more than that. They're alive, and they're still one of the bigger stories around the league. I thought losing A.B., losing Le'Veon Bell, losing the jack wagons that they had before would keep the Steelers out of the news. I thought that they would not be one of the teams that's talked about all over the place in the national sports realm. But their quarterback got hit in the dome with a helmet. 
They're alive and fighting for the playoffs despite the 1-4 and and 0-3 starts. And I love this team because they've got such a culture of winning, the Steelers. They expect to win always. And they do enough to make sure that we have a good fall and a good start of winter every single year. The Steelers are the anti-pirates. They're always relevant. The last time the Steelers didn't stay in it, until the last few weeks of the season was 2003. The last time the Steelers were eliminated before Week 17 was 2007. The Steelers give us holiday season entertainment year after year after year. And I think they should be recognized for that because they're the anti-pirates. And I think Mike Tomlin deserves credit for this year's team just keeping them in it. Because i got to be honest, transparency, the number one virtue of the Crowley Show, when they were 0-3, I wasn't panicked. We're going to create content. We're going to have fun. We're going to do the show we always do. But I thought, eh, if you're 0-3, let's say you're 2-6. Let's say you're 3-8. and Let's say you're 5-11 and at the end of the year. At a certain point, the anger turns to apathy. It just would. At a certain point, all the anger that you would feel when the Steelers are losing a team that you deemed inferior would turn into, okay, well, they've been out of this thing now for the last month. So who gives a rat's ass if they win this given Sunday? It hasn't happened that way. So whether the Steelers make the playoffs or not, I think we all should give Mike Tomlin a big round of applause. I think we should all say to Mike Tomlin, thank you. And if the Steelers beat the Bengals on Sunday, they'll be sitting there at 6-5 and five when the Bills are playing the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. When you're watching the Lions lose to whoever the hell they're playing on Thanksgiving, you can still think in the back of your mind, the Steelers are contenders. And it means something to me. I love that. I love sitting there, you're eating Thanksgiving dinner, you're watching football, and instead of being depressed, oh, that team's going to the playoffs, oh, that team's going to the playoffs, the Saints who are playing the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the night, instead of saying, oh, the Saints, man, they're contending for a Super Bowl, at least you're sitting there and you're going, ah, the Steelers still got a shot. Makes a big difference to me on Thanksgiving. That should make a big difference to you, and you should give Mike Tomlin and the Steelers organization a round of applause for staying relevant, for staying in it into the holiday season, because it could have very easily gone off the rails. It very easily could have turned into 2-6 and six and 3-8 and eight and 5-11. and 11. It hasn't. The NFL and TV execs agreed to move the Browns game, and I think they moved it because of exposure. I don't think there's any other good reason. Sure, the Chiefs and the Raiders, that's a game that's going to be for perhaps, as weird as it sounds, the AFC West crown. But are more people going to watch that game or Steelers-Browns with the carnage? You already got the Steelers market. You've got Browns fans. They're going to be sitting there at 5-6 and six after beating the Dolphins this weekend thinking that they're still in it. Their storylines abound. I don't know if more people are watching the Raiders and the Chiefs that weekend. But the NFL and the CBS execs, they say, eh, 425 kick. Let's go with the Raiders and let's go with the Chiefs. And it's not like it's not a good game. It is. But I guarantee well you that the game was moved because they don't want to have that storyline being discussed in what amounts to being a prime TV window. It would draw a huge number, but the league, I think, doesn't want another stain. I believe that after the perfect stuff in the subsequent Joey Porter, Pac-Man, Jones, Fallout, Mike Munchak, Grab, and Hare, that both games the next season were at 1 p.m. Steelers-Bengals, one of the best rivalries in football at the time, one of the most vicious rivalries in football at the time, both games, 1 p.m. the next year. Why? Well, certainly not because of the eyeballs. Well, except it was about the eyeballs. Usually you would think that match would be put on there because you'd get more eyeballs. 
the league wanted less eyeballs. I'm going to keep saying eyeballs on that game those two weekends. Steelers-Browns, all the storylines. Browns going to be 5-6. and six. Steelers going to be 6-5. and five. What about that isn't appealing to the league? Oh, yeah. Having to have the announcers replay the melee over and over and over again and discuss the repercussions. And there's the possibility that something sinister goes down again. And I also think it doesn't help if it's a 425 kick and drunken, inbred, Yinzer Steelers fans are getting all lubed up before that late game. Uh, I don't think that the Steelers fans at a 425 kick in a close game with those two teams after what happened before would behave. And I think the league knows that. Maybe there's bottles thrown on the field. They don't want that being the storyline of the NFL Sunday. And at the very least, they don't want that being the game that everyone's watching that NFL Sunday. The league wants to maintain some semblance of integrity. So they say, F it. Let's get this shiz off the national stage. And let's give the people what they don't want. The Chiefs and the Raiders. It is now time for dropping loads of audio. Brought to you by Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dropping loads of audio. Here's Stephen A. telling us all what we already know. I'm not talking about the protesting. I'm a black man, you idiots. You think I have a problem with a man that is kneeling and protesting racial oppression and police brutality? Do you know anything about my history in 25 years in this damn business? From the New York Daily News to the Philadelphia Inquirer to CNN to Fox to ESPN? Do you have any idea about my damn background and the fights that I have taken on on behalf of African Americans throughout this nation's history? Do you have any idea who the hell you are talking about? T.O. sends me a damn text just now. T.O., how many times have I come to the defense of Tara Owens? <laughs> my sweet Jesus. Boy. I did not know. I did not know that he's a black man. No, and, and judging by the formula of the show, I immediately expect Kellerman to argue with him that he is not a black man. <laughs> Idiot. I mean, that's how we do that show, right? So he lays out a point, and then Kellerman comes in, like, you are not a black man. No, Stephen A., you are not a black man. How dare you lie to the public like that? <laughs> Stephen A., let me, uh, let me just stop you for a second there. You really think you're a black man? Idiot. You really think you are a black man? Well, let me lay it out for you. You are not a black man, and here is why. <laughs> I just love how this has all devolved, right? The conversation about Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph has devolved, right? Everyone's got to dig their holes and entrench themselves in it. Well, it's the same damn thing with Colin Kaepernick. It's the same damn thing with everything that we do right now. So when Stephen A. Smith is critical of the way things went down this weekend with Colin Kaepernick, all of a sudden his blackness has to get called into question. All of a sudden, he's an Uncle Shirtless Tom. Whoa. All, all of a sudden, this guy's not on the side of the good people. He's not fighting the good fight just because he disagrees with the way things went down with Colin Kaepernick. I'm actually with Stephen A. Smith here. I'm a black man, you idiot. And let me tell you. <laughs> idiot. Wait, what? When Colin Kaepernick is kneeling down for the national anthem, I got no problems with it. That is your platform. That is your right. You do what you got to do. I did not love the way that this weekend went down. You don't have to have both things mean the same thing. 
they can be mutually, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? You don't have to say, well, Kaepernick acted like a fool this weekend, so Kaepernick acted like a fool back when he was kneeling for the national anthem. It doesn't mean that. There's allowed to be nuance. You can like one thing and dislike the other thing. You can dislike parts of what Kaepernick did before, too, with the police pig socks. And you can dislike what he did now with the Kunta Kinte t-shirt and still like what Colin Kaepernick's overall message is. But we've now stooped to a point where Stephen A. Smith has to say in his defense of himself, in his defense of Colin Kaepernick, well, of course I support that guy because I'm a black man, you idiot. And do you know how many times he's come to the defense of Terrell Owens, Crowley? I mean, how many times he's come to the defense of that man? I mean, it's just it's ridiculous that people would come at Stephen A. like that. Was this all just a circuitous <laughs> route to him wanting to say that he and Terrell Owens are buddies? And then he's, he's, just trying to, Owens he's trying to drop that he got a text from T.O. T.O.'s texting me. Yeah, what was how did I get to T.O. just texting me? Like a 42-second soundbite there. It's 42 seconds of him having to find his way to let people know that he hangs out and talks to one of the coolest, baddest MFs in the history of the game. Yeah, T.O. I'm kind of confused because does the proof of him being a black man depend on T.O. texting him? <laughs> wow, great question. It was backing it up. T.O. just texted Now, wait a second, uh, Max Kellerman. Wait a second right now. T.O. just texted me, and he did confirm that I am, in fact, a black man. T.O. text you, Kellerman? No. He did not. You probably got Maga Rudolph texting you up in your Whoa. messages right now. <laughs> T.O. <laughs> There was some good news to come out of the Tomlin press conference today. That's right, even though everyone is hurt. It's the Crowley Show live from Buford's Kitchen. Come on by. We're giving away tickets for a couple of Pens games. See us. Sit on Brian's lap. Please. Take a picture, and you'll get a chance to win these tickets. In fact, we'll just give them to you. Come by. You sit on Brian's lap. We're giving you tickets. Shirtless Tom back in the Fox Bet Studios. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm a black man, you idiots. Dealing with the stress and aggravation of being off work for a work injury? We understand and we know the best ways to get you paid everything. Paul, you need to get the iHeartRadio app and you have to search out my prophet, Adam Crowley. <laughs> yeah! Adam, I am. Adam, I am healed, my Lord. I am your 13th disciple. The Adam Crowley Show. Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Something good came out of the Mike Tomlin press conference today. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But I was just thinking as I was urinating here at the Terrace on 5th, Buford's Kitchen, right across the street from PBG Paints Arena, that... John Harbaugh has done a really good job, obviously, with the Ravens. They are the best team in the AFC. They were 4-5 and five last year, and he said, you know what, F it, let's throw everything out, and let's go with something totally new. And it saved his job last year. Now he potentially could be the NFL's coach of the year. And it makes me wonder, Pittsburgh, why are we throwing Mike Tomlin out with the bathwater as much as we do? Why do we consistently rip Mike Tomlin as a city? Because it happens. I do really think that the majority of people in Pittsburgh are dumb enough to believe that Mike Tomlin's not a good coach. But John Harbaugh has shown us in the last year and a half that if you're good at what you do, that lasts. You can change things. You can reinvent yourself. But being a coach that wins consistently, it means something. The Ravens were ready to fire that guy. They would have fired him had he stuck with Joe Flacco. 
had they not made the playoffs, he's not the coach this year. And then the next guy's winning with Lamar Jackson. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're not using him the right way. I think Steelers fans need to be patient with Mike Tomlin. And at the end of last season, I said, let's see what next year looks like without the distraction, right? Let's see what this trial balloon looks like. If he can win without the distraction, then great. If he can't, well, then maybe the expiration date has been reached. But now I don't feel that way because this team should not be 5-5. Five and five. From 0-3, 1-4, this team should not be 5-5. Five and five. They should be done by now. It should be over. We should be enjoying Thanksgiving dinner next Thursday thinking and knowing the Steelers are not in this thing. And you try to enjoy football, but it hurts kind of deep within you. It hurts deep down inside because you know the Steelers suck. That's the way it should be. It's not because Mike Tomlin is a good coach. So I now, I've changed my opinion. As things change, as variables change, my opinion changes. As more information comes in, my opinion's going to change. I think that's the way to do it. You don't dig a hole. You don't trench yourself in. You don't say Mike Tomlin sucks and then never change your opinion if he gets better. You, you, you just need to be able to be malleable, man. You need to be able to understand that Mike Tomlin's done a good job. But the way I think about it now is very similarly to the way that the Steelers feel about it, and it's very similar to the way the Penguins feel about it now across the street. The Penguins could have gotten rid of Mike Sullivan last year. A lot of teams do that. A lot of teams, hey, we've just had a lot of success. Doesn't matter, we're getting rid of him. Joel Quenville won three cups with the Blackhawks. Can I say that on the radio? Slower. Slower. Say, okay, slower. Say slower. The Blackhawks. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to say it faster. Blackhawks! Ah, Chicago hockey team. They got rid of Joel Quenville after he won three Stanley Cups. Does Quenville not know how to coach, or was the roster not built well enough for that guy? Ding, ding, ding. It's the latter. It's not the former. He's a good coach. You hold on to good coaches. The Penguins could have gotten rid of Mike Sullivan last year, but he's a good coach. He knows how to win. And if you give him the right pieces, he's going to win, and he's going to sometimes polish that turd. Last year's Penguins team probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. With the roster construction at the beginning of the year and the fact that they were banged up as much as they were, they probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. They did anyhow based on a strong march, based on the coaching of a Mike Sullivan. You hold on to that guy. I'm now all about giving Mike Tomlin a blank check, man. You want to die in office, die in office. You are a good enough coach that you're not all of a sudden going to forget to be a good coach. And I don't think it's one of those circumstances with, like, Clint Hurdle, who did a good job early in his tenure, where eventually eh, you just wear your welcome thin. Mike Tomlin's never done that. There's roster turnover in the NFL every single year. Maybe not quite to the extreme of baseball or the National Hockey League, but there's roster turnover. There are no players, aside from Ben Roethlisberger, on this roster from the team that won in 2008. So it's a totally different group of players, but they still buy into his message, right? Because they're new. They buy into what Mike Tomlin is selling. Mike Tomlin deserves some rope here in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin deserves to be appreciated. And you know what? I'm going to say it right now. That's right, Tuesday, November 19th at about 4.50 p.m. If Mike Tomlin has a losing season this year, you retain him. If Mike Tomlin has a losing season, even with Ben Roethlisberger each of the next two years, you retain him because he's that good a coach. Just look at John Harbaugh. Look at what he's done. Look at what the Saints have done. They are now a bona fide Super Bowl contender. Last year, bona fide Super Bowl contender got effed the hell out of the Super Bowl based on one of the worst calls any of us have ever seen. It still affected the NFL with the ripple down this year. But they could have fired him when he had three straight seven or nine seasons. He also got suspended for a year for Bounty Gate. They could have fired him. Nope, they hung with that dude. Why? Because he's a great coach. Mike Tomlin deserves to be talked about that same exact way. Mike Tomlin is a great coach. 
It's funny the things you think about when you're peeing. Look down at my phone. I see that the Ravens are 8-2. and two. Someone tweeted something about a stat that they've done on defense the last couple of weeks. Wow, they're a real good team. Yeah, they're a real good team with a real good coach. And what happens if John Harbaugh wins his second Super Bowl? What if John Harbaugh and the Ravens win the Super Bowl this year? That guy is going to have statues built of him in Baltimore, and deservedly so. And that shows you the razor-thin edge that you are on as a coach in any professional sport or collegiate sport now, where you could be one year on the verge of being fired the next year if you are good enough, can be maybe the coach of the year, maybe a champion in that prospective sport. So Mike Tomlin, he deserves, he's never had a losing season to be around, and he deserves credit for what he's done. Man, I keep coming up with good ways to pat Mike Tomlin on the bat. Every single show, I'm finding a different way to give you a different angle on why Mike Tomlin's great. Slowly becoming his biggest fan. I sure am. They're 5-5! Five and five. Yeah. I'm going to eat Thanksgiving dinner, and the Steelers are still going to be in this thing, despite the fact that they don't have their best player, and despite the fact they might not have their best defensive player, or at least the guy who had played best on that defense up until the time he got hurt and stepped on to it. I mentioned there was good news to come out of the Mike Tomlin press conference today. Benny Snell, going to be healthy this week. And you know what? That's great. Because he ain't that hyphenated running back. Tom's got a nickname for him. I don't even remember his name. What's TBJ. Ah, uh, TBJ. Uh, Tyler Bones James. Yes. He ain't that guy. And he's a better uh, toter of the rock, that's right, than Jalen Samuels. The Steelers need to be able to run the ball against a horrendous run defense in the Cincinnati Bengals if they want to win that game. That guy's a legitimate NFL running back. I heard Dale Lawley talking about this today on the Steelers Radio Network after the Mike Tomlin press conference that if the Steelers block up a four-yard gain, he's going to get a four-yard gain. If the Steelers block up a two-yard gain, Benny Snell's going to get a two-yard gain. But right now when you've got hyphenated running back, whatever his name is, TBJ, I don't know, that guy's seeing a four-yard hole and he's getting two yards. You can't stay ahead of schedule on offense that way. You can't help out your what amounts to a rookie quarterback that way. You can't be successful when you're not gaining traction on the ground. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on the ground. You've got to win first down. But you ain't going to win first down with Tevin Jones catching the football. You ain't going to win first down with Johnny Holton catching the football or not catching the football. You're not going to win first down if your best wide receiver is James Washington, if your next best passing threat is Vance McDonald, who I do think needs to have a big week this week. You're not going to win first downs that way. You're not going to win in setting Mason Rudolph up in down and distance that's advantageous for him. So Benny Snell coming back, while he might not be James Conner, hell, he might be, but while he might not be James Conner, he's way better than what they've had. And my God, if you are a Steelers fan... What a sound for sore ears that was. TM just came up with that. I know I was just touting Mike Tomlin, and I know I just said the running game should be a little bit better with Benny Snell, but I'm telling you this right now. Don't sleep on the Bengals. I'm telling you right, do not sleep on the Bengals. They suck. They really suck. That doesn't mean the Steelers should take them lightly because they are in no such position. The Steelers are capable of beating every team left on their schedule, They've got a defense that's good enough to do it. They're playing a bunch of not-so-great teams. But they've also beat a couple of teams that may be in the playoffs, the Colts and the Rams. They've also shown that they can hang around with just about anybody, which is supposed to be a good thing. They've also let the Dolphins hang around. Eh, that's not great. 
that game against Cincinnati didn't look beautiful early. This team is capable of losing to every single team left on their schedule the same way they're able to beat every team left on their schedule. Why? Well, they've scored just one offensive touchdown in each of their last three games. I'm not going to pick, I don't think, stick around for Friday's show, the Bengals to beat the Steelers on Sunday. But I do think this game's going to be close. So don't sleep on Cincy. This team can't afford to sleep on anyone. This just in, it's important to have to score. You need to score points to win games in this league. You ain't going to beat teams 3 to nothing. It's just not going to happen. The league is set up advantageously for the offense. The Steelers' offense, though, unable to take advantage, so they're going to have to fight tooth and nail. They're going to have to claw their way out of Cincinnati this week. I buy that. They're going to have to claw their way to beat Cleveland, claw their way to win any of the games left on the schedule. And the defense is going to keep them in it. If the defense could keep the Steelers in it last week, whenever that was the worst offensive performance I think I've ever seen, you know the Steelers' defense is going to keep them in it. But don't sleep on any team left on the Steelers' schedule because even if the defense keeps them in it, the quarterback and the offense is going to have to make a play at some point. I think the Steelers are going to beat the Bengals, but I think we're in for a rough ride on Sunday. You're not going to be able to turn that thing off at halftime, which you should be able to do against an 0-10 team. I am the ambassador for cripples, bastards, and broken things. Well, something like that. Game of Thrones. I'll explain next. It's the Crowley Show brought to you by Fox, but make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are live at Buford's Kitchen, the Terrace on 5th, right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. Giving away pens tickets. Come on by. Say hello to me and Brian. Again, I am the ambassador for cripples, bastards, and broken things. That's next on ESPN Pittsburgh. Maybe it's time for you to go ring shopping. So you go to eBay, and whoa, eBay has lots of rings, earrings, champions.